0: Welcome to Hello from the Pluriverse, a podcast about sharing the stories of designers and design thinkers from different backgrounds around the world. I'm Leslie anne Noel, a designer from Trinidad and Tobago and a professor of practice at Tulane University in New Orleans. The name of our podcast is a reference to Designs for the Pluriverse by Arturo Escobar. In our podcast, we explore the stories of designers from many different countries, women designers, designers of color, and designers from the LGBTQI community. In our interviews, we explore how place and identity affect their work, what they say about design, design thinking, and social innovation, and what advice they would give to non-designers who are using design methods. We'll continue to share more stories throughout the series about designers from many different worlds, from our little corner of the world at the Phyllis M. Taylor Center for Social Innovation and Design Thinking at Tulane University in New Orleans. We hope you enjoy.
1: Welcome to the Hello from the Pluriverse podcast, sponsored by the Phyllis M. Taylor Center for Social Innovation and Design Thinking at Tulane University, where we discuss the work of different designers and design thinking practices. Hi, my name is Natalie Hudnick. I'm in my second year in the Master of Public Health and Maternal and Child Health Program here at Tulane School of Public Health and Tropical Medicine. And I'm also a Design Thinking graduate assistant working at the Taylor Center. I'm originally from outside St. Louis, Missouri, and I have a bachelor's degree in cultural anthropology. I'm here today with co-host, Michael. Michaelene, do you want to introduce yourself?
2: Absolutely. My name is Michaeline Engelmeyer. I'm a first year student in the Master of Public Health Nutrition Program here at Tulane. I'm also a design thinking graduate assistant working with the Taylor Center, and I am a Midwesterner originally from Chicago, Illinois. We're here today to discuss an interview with Glenn Fajardo, who is a design educator at the Hasso Plattner Institute of Design at Stanford, also known as the Stanford D School. He also curates TEDx Peace Plaza, has contributed to the Stanford Social Innovation Review, and is an independent consultant working with nonprofits. Glenn has been considered the messy problems guy, Uh, as he has been the go-to person in his work to solve problems by using design and design thinking methods.
1: This interview was originally recorded in the fall of 2019. Mike and I are here today to hear what Glenn has to say about his approach to design and design thinking. After the recording, we'll be here to discuss our thoughts and what we learned and hopefully spark some discussion for our listeners.
3: My name is My name is Glenn. I uh, was born in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, so like in the uh, uh, sort of north central part of the U.S. Uh, I currently live in San Francisco. Uh, I also have uh, uh, spent a fair amount of time uh, lived for uh, many years in Florida, uh, and also worked briefly in Washington D.C. Uh, so uh, my background is uh, m- my formal education is in nuclear engineering sciences as for my bachelor's degree and then uh, in public policy for uh, for graduate school. Um, and then uh, I ended up in California because I went to, uh, to grad school in, in California. I thought I'd be there just for uh, just for school and then would um, uh, go back to D.C. after that. Uh, I had a job offer in DC waiting for me, like yeah, after after graduation, but decided to hang around California, and I've I've been there ever since. It definitely changes my has changed my perspective having been in so many different uh, uh, places uh, across the U.S. And then on top of that, also uh, being the um, uh, being the child of uh, immigrant parents, uh, my my folks are from uh, the Philippines. And so, like, having the sort of clash of, of uh, like, different geographies and different cultures uh, has uh, played a lot of a role in terms of, like, how I view the world and kind of um, how okay. I see things as a series of uh, sort of cultural um, sort of uh, uh, collisions that, that produce kind of different things, like, yeah. when um, when... When, when they when they come together in these kind of sporadic ways design um yeah, there's a lot of b- design's become a very uh, popular word like it's um, i i think it's one way of thinking of design is is it's um, uh, kind of um, a way of um, or it's different ways of kind of making things that are useful uh, and uh design thinking is um kind of um I, 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 guess, I guess lately I've been thinking less of a distinction between design and design thinking. Uh, the traditional thing is kind of like, oh, design thinking is like thinking like a designer. Yeah. Uh, but I think to a certain extent, like everyone can, uh, can design. Uh, the analogy that I use is it's kind of like cooking, where um, you know whether you are a, um, like a world-famous chef or if you are just cooking breakfast, you're still cooking. Like that. That doesn't. That doesn't change the fact. Like the um, the the verb it doesn't really change, uh, regardless of the, the level of, of skill involved. Yeah. Uh, but there is a very big difference between like a world famous chef and like say uh, me cooking, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's 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 not, we're, we're, we're both still cooking, but like there there's there's a uh, there are different sort uh, of degrees and levels to it. So I think of design in the same way, where I do think that everyone can uh, can design, but there is a respect. On my part, for the craft of like really, really good design, and 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 uh, people doing it at a very high level, but I think it's um, there's something to be said about also uh, democratizing design and making it um, making that that active creation like something that that a lot of people do. Uh, it just kind of takes um, uh, takes place and takes root in different ways. I'm not sure exactly how to articulate this, but I think in some ways it's changed a lot and in some ways it hasn't changed at all. Like it, it's still like that act of, I think I'm more conscious of certain things, like uh, take a concept like, um, like lateral thinking and thinking in terms of like um, kind of uh, analogies or, th- or like abductive thinking in terms of thinking of like things that are uh, sort of uh, possibilities and not thinking in terms of like sort of linear, um, like inductive or deductive yeah. logic. These are things that um, uh, in, I'm, I'm a lot more sort of conscious of them now and kind of understanding like how how they can work. Uh, but there are also things that I've been doing like my uh, entire life probably that I think that everyone does like to a certain yeah. degree. So I would say that there is, um, I've gotten more conscious about things and being, um, developing that consciousness also helps you kind of Ah, uh, further refine your abilities in 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 yeah. these kinds of different kinds of areas, uh, but they're not um, they're not like entirely uh, new or something that like I've never done before. But I think it's it's having a a, um, a, a greater sort of um, uh, intentionality around uh, doing these these kinds of yeah. um, uh, skills that are that are related to design. I think part of the reason why I've kind of gone into design education is to understand it, it for myself a little bit more. And like, mm-hmm. where did that come from? Like, why did it, like, how did I get from like, you know, you know, point A to point X yeah. you know, in, 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 in that kind of way. Um, so it's, it's really, um, gosh, that's, it's a good question. I, I don't, I I think it's the kind of thing where I try to encourage that kind of uh, thinking in in others, but it's not um, my approach to it is just one approach, right like it doesn't it doesn't um it's not like um, uh, what I do is better or worse than how another person would think about it. It's just kind of a um, the reason I think why I can work with messy problems is that I make a lot I'll try a lot of uh, different sort of analogies and comparisons in my head very quickly, and then kind of see like, what are the things that um, this current situation is kind of like this, um, this other situation that that I've seen before, but that logic is always fuzzy. It's not like a, um, uh, it's not an exact one-to-one, but it's kind of being able to make those different comparisons, and then also see like, how is this like. This other thing, and how it did not like this other thing? Yeah. Uh, so it's a lot of uh, uh, sort of uh, pattern recognition, and then uh, sort of pattern making, and also pattern breaking. One is just to kind of um, it's almost like don't don't think about it too much. Try 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 making things tangible uh, as quickly as possible, and then uh, the other thing is just to um, really try to refine your skills in. Ah, uh, listening and observing, and uh, trying to separate out like what you th- think of something versus like what it is that's actually um, that's happening. So I think a lot of times we 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 confuse um, uh, our interpretation of things with the thing that is that is happening. So trying to develop that uh, and, and you can never like fully separate those things out. like I don't I don't think that that that's 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 humanly possible, but um, I think we'll say like this, Um, We don't recognize our own sort of leaps of logic. And so being able to just kind of notice like this happened and then just kind of leave it at that and then be able to say like, oh, my interpretation of it is this. But to be able to sort of separate out those two different things, I think is um, um, is a really helpful skill. Sure. Uh, okay. TechSoup Global is mm-hmm. a, a nonprofit social enterprise that helps other nonprofits around the world with technology, both in terms of uh, being able to access technology and then use it mm-hmm. effectively to uh, amplify uh, their their social impact. And so um, I, I worked uh, uh, for TechSoup for 11 and a half years. I had a, lot, had a great time there. Uh, Uh, Most of that time was in the global network team, which uh, works with an international network of NGO partners. And um, when I left, it was, we had partners in 70 countries. And so I spent a lot of time with with our partners uh, who are all um, uh, kind of leaders in um, sort of technology for civil society in various parts of the world. Uh, And I really treasure uh, those times because it was, I learned a lot about um, uh, sort of co-creation and relationship building and like how different um, cultural lenses on the same problem uh, can be super useful because you we, we all kind of see um, uh, see or feel a problem uh, differently. And so there are things that that um, uh, that like are like Melvin in Kenya would notice that I, that I wouldn't notice and vice versa, or like Mario in Argentina. Um, there's all these um, things I learned about um, uh, sort of uh, cross-cultural uh, collaboration and creativity, and uh, also remote collaborations or virtual collaboration yeah. that I took away from from uh, those experiences. And um, and to this day, like those, uh, I still treasure those all those relationships, uh, not only with our partners, but also with, uh, of course, like uh, the, the folks who work for TechSoup as well. Uh, you you want to have like different opinions you want to have uh, like um uh, certain kinds of sort of uh, conflict and you want to have uh things where um you have very very different viewpoints so i think i think that's uh those all can be very useful things they, they can also be very destructive if they're not if they're not um uh, kind of handled well mm-hmm. uh but i think it's um i think it's a mistake to think of the goal of cross uh, uh cross-cultural collaboration as uh uh, just, uh, finding agreement or finding ways that we can, you know, all feel like we're, we're the same because I, I I don't think the goal is to, to feel the Mm -hmm. same. I think the goal is to work together, to, to, to develop something Mm -hmm. that we can do together that we wouldn't be able to do apart. It's, It's really, uh, it's really sort of the, the two most important things I would say are, uh, one is being able to develop empathy for others. And then the second thing is to be able to make, ideas like tangible more quickly. So you can try them out and integrate mm-hmm. them more quickly.
1: Thank you all so much for listening along with us. And now we're just gonna take, ta- to take a little bit to talk about our takeaways from the interview. So Michaeline, how do you think place and identity impacted Glenn's work?
2: Um, well, Glenn's lived all over. He was born in Milwaukee, and then he lived and worked in, you know, Florida, Washington D.C., San Francisco, and he chose to stick around California even after being offered a job in D.C. Um, he talks about how living all over has influenced his perspective, and how being brought up by his parents who immigrated from the Philippines, Philippines, excuse me, um, creates a really interesting dynamic in his identity when they come together and coalesce in um, sporadic ways, as he puts it. So I thought that was really interesting to think, um, think about and hear about from his perspective. What about you?
1: Yeah, um, that was something I noticed as well. And to add on to that, Glenn kind of described the clash between the geographies and the different cultures that he's experienced and that are part of his identity has not only just like, influenced his work but also how he sees the world itself. And he described these like the, the, the clash itself as collisions. And I think that allows him his own unique perspective as to how place and identity can intersect and clash in design.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, what do you feel like you learned from Glenn about design thinking and social innovation?
1: Yeah, Glenn talked a, about a little bit about using abductive thinking within design and design thinking and how that can help you to develop ways in which to see all types of possibilities. And I think this is an important part of design in some ways because we should never box ourselves into certain outcomes. We should be conscious of all types of outcomes that could be created based on the implementation of what you design. And then using this type of reasoning can really broaden how we use design thinking and the design process. Uh, what did you learn? What do you think you learned?
2: Well, Glenn really encouraged us not to confuse our interpretation of things with what is actually happening. You know, he talks about how it's possible to notice what logically happens and then separate that from our own interpretation of the situation and how that's an important skill to have, not only in design, but in life as well. And it's just, it's always great when a designer gives advice that applies to so much more than just the field of design, you know?
1: Yeah, Uh, that's a good point. Uh, Both of us are not formal designers. What advice did you take away from this episode for non-designers who are using design methods?
2: First and foremost, I took away that everyone can design as Glenn said, whether you call yourself a world famous chef, or you're just cooking breakfast for yourself, the verb to cook doesn't change based on the level of skill that's involved. So as a non designer who's learned so much about design thinking this year, that's really encouraging for me to hear. Um, in our roles as GAs we've been designing, even if we don't call ourselves designers, but in a lot of ways, our work has still been design work. So. I think design thinking is a way to make the term design accessible and democratized for everybody. And, you know, of course, there's a difference in skill level, but we're still engaging in the same practice. Um, it feels like a really inclusive way to think about design. Uh,
1: yeah, that's a really good point that I like that he obviously talked about. and I just didn't think about in time. But I thought Glenn also talked Glenn also talked about that you should refine your skills and listening and observing in his interview. And I think this is just such great advice in general, kind of like wait, kind of how your advice that you took was such great too. And for, those, like, and for those wanting to use design methods, this is in particular pretty, really solid advice. I feel like active listening is just so important to get to know someone and what their needs, wants, problems are. And observing is such an underrated skill that we all need to be able to do because in observing and having that skill, you notice things you might never notice if you were just existing in that experience in time. And listening and observing are key parts of the design process and design thinking process. And so you need to know how to use those and to actively use them to really use design methods. So I'm glad he talked about that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, was there anything in this interview that surprised you or that you didn't agree with, or maybe that inspired you?
1: Yeah, Glenn had briefly mentioned that he has kind of thought of design thinking as the term for when non-designers think like designers. And I thought this was really surprising and interesting because the way we have learned about design thinking and the way we've heard it described so many times in these inter- these episodes is that design thinking is a process that both designers and non-designers can use. Um, so I was just a little surprised when he kind of just associated a little bit with like non-designers using design methods and like, or design thinking itself.
2: Right. Yeah, that's definitely uh, a little bit unique from some of the others other designers we've heard from this year. So that's a really great observation. Um, personally, I thought it was really interesting when Glenn described cross-cultural collaboration as a potentially destructive practice when it's not handled correctly. Um, but you know, if I think about it, I really see what he means that curating environments that are designed to breed like a certain level of necessary conflict could bring about a less than productive situation. Um, and I think that speaks to the necessity of cultural sensitivity and understanding and usage of the empathetic and active listening practices he was talking about earlier.
1: Oh, definitely. That makes me think of the term like cultural humility, which we're trying to go for in public health nowadays and as well as cultural competency. So that was a really great point that you brought up. Uh, Was there anything you wanted to learn more about, Michaeline? If you could ask uh, Glenn another question, what would it be?
2: Yeah, Absolutely. I I would have loved to hear maybe like an anecdote about how his advice to actively listen and observe has come in handy in his personal design career. What about you?
1: Yeah, I would have really liked to hear more directly about Glenn's experience growing up and how specifically the many different places he has lived has influenced his own design work and aesthetic. I feel like he might've just really missed that part. And I wish, I think that could have just rounded out his interview so well. Uh, But what do you think, listener? Please feel free to check out our website and let us know what you thought about this episode in the comments.
0: We hope you enjoyed this interview from our Hello from the Pluriverse series. A special thank you to Arturo Escobar, the author of Designs for the Pluriverse for opening the space for conversations about pluriversality in design. Many thanks as well to all of our interviewees, our Design Thinking student team, Ruby, Lupe, Delaney, Tran and Wissal, the students of the Fall 2019 CIC 3010 class, Levante, Lucas, our editor, and the rest of the team at the Taylor Center at Tulane. If you have any suggestions for our program, please email your comments, suggestions, and questions to taylor at tulane.edu, and also you can visit our website at taylor.tulane.edu.